1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
2: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that
1: exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events chef prepared meals safety and security transportation resort style amenities and high quality care everything you need is here discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com equal housing opportunity
0: introducing the lisa chill collection your answer to hot nights These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers. Whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
2: Previously, we were talking about Mercedes-Benz and how even though you may purchase a car which is between ninety dollars and $195,000, you may not have the whole car in the sense of there may be... Uh, An extra gear, if you will, which has been held back as far as performance, where if you want to pay a subscription totaling some $1,200 a year, you can have the complete performance capabilities of that Mercedes-Benz. And I said, hmm, this is an an inflection point where you can see where probably the rest of the automotive industry is going, most definitely Mercedes-Benz. I might be wrong, but while talking about it, friend of the show, friend of KFI. Comedic legend Jay Leno was listening and said, Hey, I need to uh, call in and talk to Mo and either straighten him out or give him some more perspective on this. So he joins us right now on KFI. Jay Leno, my friend, how you doing, sir? Hey, Mo. And thank you
4: in this time period for not talking about the LA city council. That's all they talk about on this show. So thank you for talking about something other than the, than the LA city council. Um, uh, yeah, you know, this is not that unusual. The subscription part is different. In the old days, when you bought like a Mustang, it came with a two-barrel carburetor and had 160 horsepower. Once you got the car, you could say to the dealer, I want more horsepower. You could buy, quote, a four-barrel carburetor and get more horsepower. This is just an extension of that. I mean, when you buy any car now, it comes with a radio. Once you get the car, you can then decide you want to buy Sirius Radio or Apple CarPlay or something, and that's a subscription. It's the same type of thing. You know, with electric cars, modifying them is different than modifying an internal combustion engine because mm-hmm. you could do that yourself or take it to a garage. So they do it. I, I do agree with you. The subscription thing, I think people will rebel against. For example, BMW, if you want the heated seats... It's an extra, I don't know how much, 10 bucks a month or something like that, which would just nickel and dime you and drive you crazy. When I buy a vehicle, can I just buy the thing? Can I just, how much of it? Like, I don't lease. I don't do any of that. I don't rent it. I just like, if I own it, it's mine, and I have the ability to do what I want with it. And this is not the first time manufacturers have tried this. They, they had a law in uh, some states that you could not enter the, quote, code, of your car to fix it yourself and independent garages who were not chevy dealers or cadillac or mercedes they sued and they were granted the right to work on those cars if they had the electronic tools that, that were necessary so this subscription thing i think is just they're testing the public to see if people will go for it i personally don't when i own something it's mine i own it thank you goodbye I rarely go back to a dealer. I like to do my own work if I if I can, if it's possible. Uh, so the idea, see, electric cars don't really break. It's not like internal combustion cars where the first 600 miles, you, you do that oil change, and you drive the car reasonably slow until it breaks in. But those days are all gone. Elect, you know, I had a Tesla for seven years, never went to the dealer for anything. So they couldn't make any money on it. I bought it, it was mine, and I sold it, and I got another one. Uh so that's what that is. This isn't an attempt by the dealers. They finally made a product that's pretty bulletproof, but then they realize, oh, we're not making any money in the long term. Mm. You know, you use cars last they used to last three or four years. Now cars last twelve years. Easy. I mean cars now I always laugh when people say, I gotta get rid of this car, it's got sixty thousand miles. And I go, that's barely broken. And modern cars will go 300,000 miles. No problem, assuming you do reasonable maintenance on them, you know. So this is a chance for the the manufacturers uh, to see if they can get away with it. I don't think they will because – I would never pay 10 bucks a month to have a heated seat. I'd set my seat on fire before I would do that.
2: <laughs> well, let me respond to some of that. There's an ickiness factor for me in terms of, I, I, I like you, if I buy the car, I want to know I'm getting the full car. I'm not actually getting, I'm not just adding a subscri- subscription to Sirius XM. I'm talking about actual performance of the car. And to me, it feels different. Would you agree with that?
4: Oh, not really because there's always more in any vehicle you buy, there's always more performance available somehow. You, you mm-hmm. within, you put a chip in it, you go to an independent guy and maybe it doesn't meet emissions and that kind of stuff, but you can put a chip in it to get extra horsepower and, and that'll work, you know? So that part, it's not like there's something hidden in there. They're just getting more power out of it, you know, than than you normally would need. So that 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 doesn't that part doesn't bother me. Uh no, I I don't see that. It's just the idea that renting something which I used to get for free. Mhm. But you know people have fallen for it before. Uh, you're I'm sure you're old enough to remember when TV was free. Yes. They, yes. Yeah, the cable came out. What? T- 10 bucks a month to watch TV? In England, where there's socialism, that's what they do. They pay ten bucks a month to watch TV, you know. But now we do it. Now everybody has Netflix. Everybody has Amazon Prime, uh, you know. So it's it's whatever makes life easier for people if people are willing to go for it. But I'm on your side. I in California, you know, you use heated seats maybe three or four times a year. The idea that I'm paying ten bucks a month through July, August, and September for a heated seat, seems a little crazy
3: to me.
2: If you're just tuning in, Jay Leno has joined us on the line. We're talking about cars and life. And, Jay, I wonder, what do you feel as a a connoisseur of cars, what do you feel about this evolving EV um, phenomenon? Uh, are, Are you embracing it or are you shunning it? No, no, I think it's great. You know,
4: Mark Twain used to say, I like progress. It's change I don't like, you know. And that's kind of where we are. You know, when the when when the automobile came out, blacksmiths and people who owned horseshoeing places said, You know what's gonna happen when these cars keep coming, you're gonna have gas stations instead of instead of blacksmith shops. That's what's gonna happen. And they went, Yeah, that's exactly what is gonna happen. And that's pretty much where we are now. When was the last time a gas station did repairs on a car? Now they go in there and they'll sell you A can of soda or a Twinkie or something like that but they don't they don't put your car in the rack and fix it for you and tell you what's wrong you know so yes i I mean getting to the point when you have a car that is virtually not unbreakable but pretty reliable i mean cars are pretty darn good you know when i was a kid you'd always see broken down cars on the highway all the time and you see it here in la probably more than most places but That's because the cars are really, really old. For the most part, cars are pretty good. You know, they've gotten like televisions. Remember TV repair shops? Earn money in your spare time. (laughs) Fix TVs in your neighborhood. And you you had a big suitcase full of tubes, and oh, people would pay you money to get their TV going again. Now you just get another TV. It's actually cheaper to get another TV than it is to fix the one you have. And that's where cars are going. And if you're in the business of manufacturing cars, you can only you can only sell a guy so many automobiles in his lifetime. And if that car is pretty darn good, he's gonna he's not gonna buy one every three years or five years. I remember when I was a kid, rich people used to trade the car every two years because they got troublesome after that. But those days are gone forever.
2: I wonder because I'm a kid, I if, who remembers muscle cars. I love muscle cars, and I know you do too. A, a part of me will miss the muscle car will you miss muscle cars
4: well i'll tell you something funny we uh, on my show tim allen and i we went and got a 67 gto now you know the gto that was one of the ultimate muscle cars 389 cubic inch three two-barrel carburetors uh, had a four-speed transmission dual exhaust all this stuff we then went to a dealer and got a nissan ultima i said give me the typical nissan ultima that a housewife or a single mom might buy for a kid. So we got a four-door Altima with a V6. We raced it against the GTO and blew its doors off.
5: <laughs> because what? Muscle-
4: yes, because muscle cars might have seemed fast back in the day, but they're not fast compared to modern cars. I mean, my McLaren goes 0-60 to 60 in under 2 seconds. A a, a good muscle car went zero to 60 in 6.1 seconds.
2: But, Jay, let me jump in there. What about these cars with rear-wheel drive against these, you know, mostly Japanese cars with front-wheel drive? Aren't the front-wheel drive cars at a disadvantage?
4: No, not really, because the suspension technology has gotten so good now. You know, Porsche used to have a disadvantage because the engine hung out over the rear wheel, and you could spin out a Porsche really easy, and you had to be quite a good driver to, uh, to handle a rear-engine Porsche. I didn't know what you were doing. But now with modern suspension techniques, you can still have a rear-engine car that handles as good as, as a mid-engine car or as a front-engine car. Uh, well, mid-engine handles the best. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's ways to beat science and beat mm-hmm. physics, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're able to do it. But, you know, this is the era of the muscle car. You know, the muscle car you were talking about was between 300 and 400 horsepower. You can get a Dodge, a Dodge Hellcat now. With 700, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100 horsepower. The Tesla Plaid has almost 1,100 horsepower. This is the golden age of the muscle car. And the other advantage to the modern muscle car is they stop, they go around corners, they have airbags. You know, I mean, when I was in high school, kids used to die at 20-mile-an-hour crashes hitting a pole. You know, a steering column would come through and crush your chest, whatever. When you get on the road now, you see an SUV rolled up on a ball and a kid on a cell phone. Mom, can you, can you get me? I rolled a car, you know. So there's been some tremendous uh, advances.
2: Jay, do you have time to hang out with us for one more segment? I know you're going somewhere, so I know you're busy, but I thought I would ask. Yeah, no problem if you want me to. Sure. Absolutely. Our guest right now is Jay Leno on the John and Ken Show. Mo Kelly in for for John and Ken. We're talking about cars, life and reminiscing and uh, I guess romanticizing what cars used to be. Keep it right here. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Joining me on the line is the one and only, the inimitable Jay Leno. Jay, let me ask you a couple things. You recently returned to the comedic stage after your garage accident. First, I'm glad to know that you are doing well, but also I would love to know what you think about the state of stand-up comedy these days. It's fine. Think of it in what way? In the way that there's always this discussion these days about whether comedians can say this, shouldn't say that, or there's also the news of Chris Rock and and his uh, live stream um, uh, special, which is going to be done next year. How do you think comedy as an industry is faring these days?
4: what most most people don't realize do you know what a cabaret card is have you ever heard that term no I have not okay when I was a kid uh, Lenny Bruce uh, was a very famous comedian you know you know Lenny Bruce he absolutely was, he, he was probably me like maybe the George Carlin of his day and whatever and he spoke inappropriately uh, did a lot of uh, interracial jokes things like that but um, well, when you worked as a comedian in New York City, you were given a cabaret card. which is a license to perform. And Lenny was performing, and he was talking about interracial sex. He said, who would you rather have sex with, Kate Smith or Lena Horne? You know, those kind of jokes. And Kate Smith was a rather heavy-set, large woman, and of course Lena Horne was a knockout. And, it, and Kate Smith was, you know. And, and so it, it was a funny bit about that. Uh, a cop heard it, didn't like it. Walked up, took his cabaret card, tore it up. He could not perform anywhere in New York City. He lost his license to perform. And so this is not new. Uh, Then when the Supreme Court in the late 60s, early 70s, they kind of turned everything around. Suddenly, pornography was everywhere. That was legal. You could say whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. Uh, it, it's just sort of a pendulum swinging around again, you know. Nobody's nobody's saying you can't say what you want. You just wind up paying a price for it. You know, it depends what you what, what it is you're talking about. You know, I'm, Mo, I'm sure you'll back me up on this. When you watch listen to radio in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, and even TV shows, people did quote racial jokes about blacks, about all, all all minority groups, Chinese, whatever it might be, and people thought it was funny, and it was, it took a long time for that to become inappropriate. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if if an audience decides something is not funny, it's just not funny to them anymore. You know what you think? I remember years ago, I watched, I went to see Rickles, this is a long time ago. And Rickles going, the Puerto Rican guy is doing this, and the black guy is doing that, you know, so-and-so. And And older people laughing hysterically, young people uncomfortable. At one point, Rickles used a four-letter word, and vice versa. So it all depends what the – your job is to please the audience and do what they like. Now, someone like Chappelle is extremely talented, and he can use words to cut it pretty thin on both sides and get away with it. You know, there's an old saying. You can say whatever you want. It just better be really funny if it's not really funny. You know, I, you know, I remember I, I used to do a little bit about Patrick Henry. And Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. And people went, oh, wow. Well, that's pretty good, and they applauded. But if he had said, hey, I don't give a damn if you hang me. Go ahead. Try it. <laughs> you know, they would have hung him. The fact that how he said it and how he was able to get his point across, so I don't make a big deal out of it i to me, you know Rodney Dangerville and I were very close friends I knew Rodney for forty years have no idea who he voted for, no idea if he was Democrat or Republican. We never talked about it. we just talked about jokes it was any time I got together with Rodney it was it was just about the jokes. Rodney had the kind of jokes I love, you know. Uh, one of my favorite Rodney jokes was, uh, he said, uh, I walked past the strip club. It's topless and bottomless. And I went in. There was nobody there. I love that joke. It's simple. <laughs> it, gets, it, it, it gets to the point. He, you know, Rodney, I heard. I remember Rodney, one of my favorites, right before he died, he said, uh, uh, when I was young, our first 20 years was great. And then my wife and I met each other. You know, those kind of jokes. Uh, so, just so no, I don't. I don't see it as a big problem.
2: All right, let me ask you this: uh, What would you say is the quality of stand-up comedians today versus maybe twenty years ago, writ large?
4: Again, it's a moot point. It's it's it, it, it's it's more the quality of the audience. Uh-huh. For example, when you watch in the old days. Like Bob Newhart would come on The Tonight Show, and he would do a nine-minute monologue. And the first minute and a half was the setup. He would go, okay, here's a, here's a 68-year-old woman. She's getting her driver's license for the first time. Uh, she's got a bad eye. And the instructor is a bit nervous. Uh, and, uh, okay, here we go. Here's the drive. Okay, he would set it up like that. If he did that today, people would go in the first 30, 30 weeks bombing. did not anything funny? You know, I watch shows like, what's that one? uh, uh, What's what's that comedy show they had on? uh, Last uh, Comic Standing? Yeah, Last Comic Standing. You have two minutes to make the audience laugh. Two minutes. Uh, Okay, you can't do a lot in two minutes, so it's got to be extremely broad. It can't be very clever. But, you know, when you listen to someone like Newhart, Audiences would listen. So nowadays in the TikTok world and all this kind of stuff, people's attention span is pretty short. I know when I'm on stage, I better get a laugh every six to nine seconds or I'm kind of in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where you are. But it's not the performer is only reacting to what the audience wants. You know, so it, it's true as a performer, it's your job to try and raise the level like to me i like I like to perform at Comedy Magic Club down there on Himosa Beach because I work clean, so the audience is now used to a clean comedy show, so when you go on, you're dealing with an audience that has been tainted. You know, I go to some shows in town here, and you literally have to be a gynecologist to follow the act where's that of the woman what what where's that what whats what you know and and you know so yeah it it it's really it's really more the level of the crowd than it is the comic. The community is, is just delivering the material. Okay.
2: Jay, I could talk to you all night long. I'm so honored that you thought enough of me to just call in. And you know you, you're welcome to call in any time, right?
4: Oh that's very kind. I, I'm I'm a big fan. And you just made me laugh and you said, imagine paying all that money for that's one second faster. There are guys that'll pay 10 grand to get one second faster. I mean, talking, <laughs> it's like a huge deal, you know, but, but it, it, it just made me laugh. Cause that's what racing is all about. You know, Sterling Moss was a friend of mine, a great race car driver, and he had a bad accident. And after his accident, he was always a 10th of a second slower around the track. And he never, he retired because he could never get that 10th of a second back because some, something had changed. He was off by just a tenth of a second. So, when you say one second, that that's like a huge deal in racing. If it, if your car is a second faster than the other guy, you're you're a hundred feet down the track ahead of him.
2: Yeah, so but I don't think of ra- but I don't think of racing in a in one hundred ninety five thousand dollar Mercedes Benz. Maybe that's just me. That's just you, <laughs> Jay Little. Thank you so much for coming on this DD my friend.
4: Mo, no, thank you, and I, I enjoy. I, I love it when you fill in because it's again, it's not all about the LA City Council every day. Thanks for doing interesting topics. All righty, my friend, you have. I hope you had a good Christmas and Wonderful. happy New Year. We'll talk, soon. we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.
2: This is the Johnny Ken Show. Mo Kelly in for Johnny Ken. KFI AM six forty. We're live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. And when I tell you I have the best job in the world, that's proof positive as to why. Just doing your job, and all of a sudden, Jay Little calls in and says. Hey, I want to talk to you, Mo, about what you're talking about. Doesn't get much cooler than that. So great appreciation to Jay Little coming on. And yes, we'll have that available for you as a featured segment, just in case you happen to miss it at KFIAM640.com. But usually in the last hour of any show we do, we are talking about things entertainment related. So it fit perfectly in the grand scheme of things. Another story which I was desperate to talk about, which had been getting all sorts of coverage was this idea of Nepo babies talking about nepotism within the entertainment industry and how the kids of very famous people sometimes, or many times actually have a leg up or have opportunities and avenues, which are not available to folks like you and me. And as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't a big deal because as far as I thought about it, it's like, yeah, of course. If you are the son of Denzel Washington, just for example, John David Washington, you're going to have not only access, you're going to have avenues, you're going to have training, you're going to have wisdom, you're going to develop relationships with people that you and I, as people who are not in that industry, would not be able to generate. I'm not saying that Denzel Washington walked his son in and said, hey, you're going to hire my son, or that Unlike, if I were to make a comparison, Will Smith, who created Avenues and Vehicles specifically and only for his son, Jaden Smith, like the Karate Kid or After Earth and so forth. It wasn't like he was auditioning for those roles. He was given those roles. So I would make a distinction. And also, John David Washington was not like touting. I don't think he's done anything alongside his father, if I'm not mistaken. No,
5: no. Many people didn't even know it was his son.
2: Right. It was a trivia question.
5: My thing about this whole discussion is, you're damn right. If I have fought and scraped my way to get to where I am, and my son says, hey, daddy, I really want to get into, say, news talk radio, you're damn right I'm going to open up the door for him. Why wouldn't you? Why is my nephew here today? Not that I'm any
2: big deal, but the point is I'm going yes. to make sure my family's taken care of, or I'm going to do what I can to open doors for them. And if he meets someone today or in the course of just exploring entertainment, which allows him to further any type of entertainment career desires, I'm okay with that.
5: Yes, <laughs> it, it to me it's like every single intern I'd say that's ever worked on the Mo Kelly show has gone on to either what. Full time position here, producing, yep. whatever. Why? Because we invest time and energy into everyone to make sure that the path that we traveled is easier for them. That is the point. This is hard work. If you are a, a known actor, if you are a big wig producer in Hollywood, if you're a major, you know, big wig in, in the music industry, yes, you want to open that door for your child. That is the point of all the hard work that you've done. Now, shaming someone for taking advantage of that, that that's the the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now, the flip side of that, and there is a flip
2: side, there are those who are obvious products of their last name and act like they created everything. Like, they they act like, you know, they act like they hit a home run, but, you know, they actually started on third base and walked home. I get hit by pitch. You know, it's not not the same. There are folks who made something out of nothing. I'll, I'll make this distinction. Kim Kardashian, she benefited from her last name when she did the sex tape with Ray J, and that didn't become a thing outside of the reason that she was Robert Kardashian's daughter. And that's why it became a thing. But everything since then has been Kim Kardashian, and I give her full credit, because what she started with is nothing like what she has now. Yes, she turned that into an empire. There was it wasn't like there was already an empire, and she just added to the empire. Yes, you know I agree that that's different. Now, yes, she did benefit from her last name, but that wasn't the crux of her success.
5: I don't know. I I I think that within this industry, depending on the person in entertainment industry, whether it be in business, whatever. Yes, if you have a kid is a POS and they get a job and they come in and they start acting as such well then hey that's a character flaw in your own child or in your family structure whatever but to still say that someone who has achieved any level of success is wrong for opening up the door for a family member, even, hell, I don't care if it's your best friend. If you have an opportunity to help someone get through that door, which is almost impossible and is likely close to everyone, well then, yeah, those of us who have fought to get in here, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's different.
2: different. But I look at, and I use the Smith family as a perfect example. Willow Smith had the chance to do an album when she was very young and she probably would not have had that opportunity if not for being the daughter of Will and Jada. Oh yeah. Now I don't begrudge Will or Jada doing that for Willow. And I'm not saying that she isn't talented. I'm just saying she would not have gotten that opportunity if not for them. There's a difference in looking at what Will and Jada have done as opposed to Willow acting as if she did not directly benefit from being the daughter of there are some folks where to, I, oh, yeah. I did this all myself. The oh, hell yeah.
5: you did! Oh yeah. The hell you did! Yes. No. You have way too many wealthy individuals in the United States talking about pull yourself up by your bootstraps who came from someone uh, else's money. I get that. I get that. That's just a, a flaw in society. We can't help that. What I'm saying is, as long as there is a, a entertainment industry, as long as there's someone who is, you know, a googelianer. And is able to provide for the kids. You're always going to have some jerks
1: out there. Did you guys see O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s tweet thread about all of this? No, I did not. Not, Oh, okay. Let let people know. Yeah, Yeah. Ice Cube's son. The rapper, actor, mogul, Ice Cube, his son, O'Shea Jackson Jr., he actually had a whole Twitter thread about this whole idea of nepotism in Hollywood and all of that. And he said that his father, when they were in the pre-production stages of Straight Outta Compton... Uh, the essentially the life story of NWA and obviously Ice Cube, huge part in that. Um, Ice Cube said that he wanted his son, O'Shea Jackson Jr., to play him, but he was going to have to go through the auditions and all of that. But then since then, he O'Shea Jackson Jr. has basically become his own actor in his own right Yes, and has, like you were saying, added to that empire. Right. He, now, Dad may have opened the first
2: door. Right. But O'Shea Jackson Jr. has created his own career on his own merits. It wasn't like— And Dad didn't make it easy for him either. No, and it wasn't like Dad was creating films beyond that one, which would be catered to him. Right.
1: He had to go out and get his own roles in other films like Den of Thieves and— uh, Godzilla. Couple, yeah, Godzilla, a couple others. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think there there, it's more complex than just hating on the children of stars who are also famous— There's more to it than that. And this came out basically hating on the children of stars Mm -hmm. as if they didn't earn their way. Some did. Some did not. And I think we all can agree all benefited from their last name. And some benefited from their last name and also the overt actions of their parents to open up doors to them. Like, for example, I don't know how much Lenny Kravitz did to open up the door for Zoe Kravitz in an acting sense. I don't know. I don't know if there's any crossover there.
5: You know, you have some kids who rebelled against their parents and said, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z uh, without using your last name. Think about... You Nicholas know, Cage. Uh, Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. Um, individuals who said, I'm going to go about this my own way. Thanks for being the inspiration. But again, I stand firm on if any of your sons, Mo, your nephew... If you want to open the door for any of them to get in here, so be it. Now, if they get in here and they disrespect your last name, well, then that's what you handle in the house, right?
2: Well, and I also said to my nephew, Jonathan, it's like, look, I need you to be active and ask questions and pay attention because I'm not here to give you anything.
5: You haven't been hard uh, 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 as hard on him as... Or more hard on him than you would anyone else that's coming in, any intern. You have treated him the exact same. You scolded him earlier for not having all of his stuff together. Sure, that's did. like you're not sure getting did. a free
2: ride here. I, and I didn't tell him to bring a set of headphones. I was going to see if he was going to. There you go. So you know, fair is fair. This is the John and Ken show. Mo Kelly here. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I did. We had a fun time with Jay Leno calling in and discussing not only comedy, but cars and the intersection with cancel culture, quote unquote. I learned something from that conversation. I hope you did too. If you didn't hear it, It's okay. I think, is it up yet? at KFIAM640.com, featured segments. It's up right now, so you can listen back to that. Of course, you can catch it on the John and Ken podcast. And also, Eric is going to be posting this at the Mo Kelly show page as well. So stay with us. Hang out with us throughout the whole week as we'll be here through Thursday and get you ready for the new year. And coming up next at the top of the hour will be the Tim Conway Jr. Show, but hosted by... Chris Merrill, who joins me on the line right now. Chris, my buddy, how you doing?
0: Hey, buddy. Oh, we're doing well here. It's tough to follow uh, Jay Leno. It's funny. We mentioned him last week when I was in for John and Ken because I was saying it's so nice in southern california some people are trying to leave california and our population you know, continues to decline it's so nice i i you know growing up in a real rural area that was you know way off the beaten path when i'm in southern california i feel connected to things you never know who you're going to run into and the things on your tv are kind of your neighbors at times and i don't mean to be like a you know celebrity you know i'm not i'm not like a weird paparazzi person but when you're in the the rural areas that's a fantasy land, and when you're here, it's like you run into people. You oh, see it's real. people, and if you don't see people, you're connected to people, right? And I, yeah. I even made mention of uh, I was I was feeling it for Tim Conway Jr. a few years ago, and and uh, our our boss Robin there didn't need me for one day, and I you know so, okay you know no problem whatever you need uh, she says we got that covered oh okay all right and I find out that uh, it was Leno that was covering Tim Shift that <laughs> night, so I, I felt okay that I got bumped for you know the former host of the Tonight Show, so that was all right. But
2: Chris, you make a, a great point because just the other day, I didn't even—I didn't even tell you this to all. I was in Whole Foods the other day, and it was Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, um, her husband. They I were love Jesse Plemons. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it's totally random. But yeah, they do shopping. They, you know, they do grocery yeah. shopping too. And Viola Davis was there some other time. And if you don't yes. live in L.A., you think, "Come on!" And I was like, "No, really, I mean, really," because people yeah. like that just walk around all the time, and it's not anything that. Freaks you out, but it kind of reminds you, to your point, Chris, where being in this L.A. County area, yeah, you will run into people. You will.
0: Sure. I mean, for Pete's sake, you know, you're in for two legendary guys tonight, John and Ken. I'm in for a guy whose father is one of the most legendary, uh, you know, uh, comedians and and Hollywood elites of all time in Tim Tim Conway Sr. Now, you know, in for Junior, who I think is an incredibly talented individual in his own right. So, yeah, you just feel connected. I love that. And then we've got uh, some other stuff going on uh, tonight. We'll talk about the rain that's on the way. Uh, Speaking of some of those rural areas, I don't know if you call Buffalo, New York rural, but they got almost four feet of snow. And the police keep finding dead bodies in cars. I don't know about you, uh, Mo, but I I don't want my final resting place to be behind the the steering wheel of my Ford. Just not what I look forward to.
2: Sometimes you don't have a say in how the story ends. I'm not trying to be funny. That's just the reality of it all. I'm quite sure two weeks ago those unfortunate individuals did not foresee their end and it be in
0: a car. 100%. 100%. Absolutely true. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, a California snowstorm, sort of in the spirit of the Tim Conway Jr. play-by-play police chase. We had a California snowstorm. We'll tell you about that coming up here in the first hour as well.
2: Well, I'll be listening in, Chris. Have a great show. And, um, you know, as they say, break a leg in show business.
0: Indeed. Indeed.
2: Hey, before we get out of here, Tawala, I saw this story, and it was handed to me by producer Dana. And she said, "You're going to talk about Nick Cannon." I said, "Well, other than the obvious, what do you want me to say? Well, you have to you have to bring up the story about how he's traveling all over to see his 45 kids, and he finds finds that he didn't have enough time, or found it difficult to catch up with oh. all his kids and and baby mothers." And I'm saying, like, "Yes, of course, this is inevitable." And what's going to happen is it's going to be even more and more difficult each. Successive year, because there will be more kids, presumably, and he will have waning interest in the novelty of having all these kids, because I'm quite sure he's not exactly thrilled at paying more than $3 million a year in child support. Regardless of what he may say on camera, he's not thrilled.
5: Oh, no. Not only is he not thrilled, we called this. Everyone was like, hey, he's got the money At the time, to take care of all these kids. He kept having them. That was the thing. He can have as many kids as he wants. He can afford it. The very first thing you said is he cannot afford to spend the the required time to be with each child. With all these different mothers traveling around, you are not a father. You are a sperm donor. Unless you are bringing all of the children into one house, these children, for the most part, are going fatherless. They may know who their father is, and when you show up, cool. But then baby mother number two or three down the line, whose child is not getting the same amount of attention, is going to end up feeling some kind of way, and we know now in the news, they're fighting. Here's the catch 22. For him to
2: maintain this level of lifestyle, he needs to put in at least as much time during his various projects. He is successful, not begrudging him for that, but that's also time away from the children. And this also presupposes that his career is continuing in an upward trajectory because these gigs can go away at any time. You know, not everyone is as popular at their peak all the time forever. Let's say five years from now, he starts on the downside of his career. Who knows? He may make a mistake and say something again, which gets him in trouble. And he's less marketable. Well, you know what happens at that point? That's when the baby mamas start suing for child support to maintain the, the level of lifestyle they had when he was at his peak.
5: Yeah, yeah. And they'll get it. Oh, yeah. Easily. They will get it times how many children is there now?
2: I think it's 11. 11 times 11. Yeah, And right. I'm, I'm going to be right here to clown when it happens. Not clowning the children. I'm just saying that this is not a type of behavior and lifestyle that anyone should emulate. That's all no. I'm saying.
5: Do you remember when we shut down the proposed uh, reality show? What was it? All, all My, My babies' Mamas. Mamas. Yeah. Yes. Literally Rapper shut it low. down. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Yep. There is nothing, nothing to be promoted about that type of lifestyle. Nothing worth
2: promoting. But there is something to promote coming up here on KFI. It's the Tim Conway Jr. Show. Chris Merrill in for Tim. So keep it right here. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.